Hey fellow brain pickers, this is episode 112. My apologies for the amount of time that it's taken me to produce an episode. Um, I actually went through some uh, Jewish holidays called Sukkot. Um, so there was three weeks where I was basically off the grid. A lot of family time, so uh, really appreciated it. It was very good. Um, and then there was about three weeks of basically um, I had a bit of a, a breakup in my in my company. You know, it just basically was a partnership that didn't work out, which I'm actually going to be talking about it on our next episode. Uh, so you could stay tuned for that in episode 113. Uh, but for this episode, uh, my guest has been absolutely incredible. What an episode uh, where he talks about how he went from being chronically depressed uh, and suicidal to uh, being able to endure uh, resilience and um, rise above negative thoughts and negative feelings. Um, he has accomplished some incredible feats, as you will hear in the intro. So enjoy the show and looking forward to producing more. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 112 of Can I Pick Your Brain? My guest today is known as a thought leader and endurance athlete, but most of all, just plain crazy. He's one of only 100 people in the entire world to have run a 60-kilometer ultramarathon on Mount Everest. He's also endured a 24-hour run totaling 162 kilometers. He's walked 100 kilometers while carrying 25 liters of water on his shoulders. Ran 132,000 kilometers, sorry, 132 kilometers, lasting 24 hours on a treadmill and completed a 12-hour swim. And these are just some of the 40 endurance events he has achieved in just one year. But what's most impressive is that he does it all to raise money for charities. Tof Evans went from being extremely depressed with no direction in life to being nominated for the 2017 Young Australian of the Year. Now, as always, I prepared a short rap to help introduce my guest. Here goes. From depression and repression, he found a new obsession. Now he's mastered the attitude of gratitude. Had a spark of clarity, now he's running for charity. He may be known as crazy, but boy, he ain't lazy. His mission is clear when most people's are hazy. Adversity is a blessing in disguise. It's the greatest way to rise. Raise your eyes to the skies. Focus on the prize and ignore all the lies. Because it's never too late to make fear your best mate. This is his legend. This is his fate. So without further ado, I welcome to you an angel sent from the heavens. The one and only Toph Evans. Toph, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Oh my God, that is amazing. Literally, <laughs> I did not expect that. Oh my God, that was probably the best rap I've heard. Anyone to like, like to, for someone to articulate those words from like my story to a rap, that is, that's probably just made my day, if Thank not you. my week. Thank you. And that, that's exactly why I, <laughs> I, that's why I do it, you know, because, because I, I, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's. Oh, it's grueling, you know, like it's just grueling to do. Oh, yeah. I, I, I never used to do any raps. I've, I shouldn't be rapping. Uh, but um, 
I wanted to do something different and and so I start doing that and and when I get reactions like that that just keeps me going and uh, and it's worth you know it's worth doing it so thank you thank you so much that was very unexpected. <laughs> that was awesome. I just want to let the listeners know, by the way, that I have major respect for you because it is past midnight right now where you are in Australia. And you're coming on the show. And most people at 12 o'clock at night are either tucking themselves into bed or they're binging on YouTube or scrolling through their Facebook feed. So, yeah, it's just amazing how you're, like, you're rocking the mic right now past midnight. So my hat's off to you. If I was wearing a hat, I'm not. But if it was, I would be taking it off to you. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate that. <laughs> For sure. So I kind of want to really dig into your story because it sounds like you've got mm -hmm. a crazy story. I mean, uh, you know, I think the first question I have really is just why? Like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, I go to the gym, yeah. I, sh I, I literally drag my tuchus as they say in hebrew to the gym tuchus means backside by the way um i drag mm -hmm. myself to the gym because i don't want to be a fat old daddy i want to be like you know the daddy that's fit and you know got a bit of muscle you know yeah i'm married with kids but you want to feel good about yourself but i drag myself there you know twice a week three times a week and it's grueling mm -hmm. it's grueling and you 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 just run like you just keep running 24 hours on a treadmill i could barely make 10 minutes after 10 minutes i'm like schwitzing sweating away i want to get off the damn thing it's like i i, I know mm. when i'm looking at it it's like eight minutes i'm like okay i've got two minutes left come on danny you could do this 24 hours like how do you do that yeah um should I, we'll, we'll backtrack to the other question you asked why I do things. Just so if I'll give you enough context, that yeah. will give you an answer why. So okay. for me, you um, you mentioned my mental health struggles. And a few years back, I used to struggle really bad with both depression and anxiety. Depression, when you've got them working together, what happens is depression is when you don't care about anything and anxiety is when you care about everything. So uh -huh. you're living this dichotomy of this mental this mental tug of war and you don't know what's going on. And I was traveling at the time and I just, what happened for me was I came across a bunch of setbacks. So between business, between relationships, between family, between friends and health. And I was partying like a maniac as well. <laughs> that probably didn't help. Mm -hmm. And it all became too much for me, literally. And I didn't know how I was going to, so I actually coped with it. Oh, I thought I was coping with it through, um, self-infliction like i'm gonna get quite vulnerable because yeah. vulnerability is courage in my opinion and i'm not ashamed of my past anymore so i don't mind talking mm -hmm. about all the flaws so i mm -hmm. went I, I tried coping with it through self-harm and then i tried coping it with hard drugs and alcohol and then i tried coping it with through prescribed medication thing with the prescribed medication i was seeing multiple doctors around the world same diagnosis different solution so that was kind of a bit of a worry mm. um so when you say like self-harm, sorry for cutting in, just paint yeah, a picture. What, 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 how did you harm yourself? So there's always the mental infliction. What, when you put yourself through um, the negative thinking, like just mm -hmm. negative affirmations. And then the yeah. other one is to like banging my head, cutting myself, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's on mm -hmm. my legs. So not, not on my wrist or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's on there. Um, and they're pretty well hidden because I'm tattooed on that side of the leg as well. So, wow. <laughs> um, goodness me. So I went through this crazy route and I'm how so old, glad I went old, through it so young. How old were you? 
are 22. 22 years old. 22. Yeah, so it all became so much. And I was never known as the kid. I was always known to be ceaselessly smiling. It wasn't, mm. wasn't until looking back at it now, man, like all the, the incidents aren't that bad. It was just the way I handled it and the negative rabbit hole I put myself into. And mm-hmm. to me, I didn't know there was an easy way out. So for me, I, I got to it as like, and to be honest, I went through like suicidal tendencies for like eight months of my life. I cannot get those months back. And it got to a stage where I did come home early because I was traveling and I loved every moment I was traveling. Like all the, I, oh, there's so many cherishable moments, but it just got to a stage where I needed to leave and just come home. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, it was a terrible time for me to endure any of this stuff because it was the most alone. I was at, like, I felt so alone and everything was, I was looking through a lens where everything was black and skies. Nowadays I look and everything's so vibrant mm-hmm. and it, it's, it comes down to self-perception because like the world can be shit and it is, and the world can be, so, oh, sorry for swearing. I don't know if I'm allowed to or not. And um, the world can be incredibly amazing, and it is too. So it's entirely how you do it. It's just that flick of the switch. Right. And for me, I, I, I was so sick and feeling – I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. And f- metaphorically speaking, I was like this car that was about to head this, – uh, like this uncontrollable car about to head for the edge of a cliff mm-hmm. that it was happening to my thinking and – it was it was just such an enduring process to go through, and I've, I've never been so scared in my life. But at the same time, I'm so grateful I went through that because I'm not. I I wouldn't be here without those, without the ad- adversity. And mm-hmm. I've real I come to realize that every great story and or person that's lived the test that stood the test of time has gone through some trajectory of pain, right. whether it is. Um, like if we're going to talk like MJ, for example, like everyone talks about when he was crying in his uh in his uh his room when his he wasn't led into sorry when he didn't make his high school basketball team and there's a there's a crazier story than that i think his dad got murdered after his first repeat by the way for those for those listening mj is i'm guessing michael jackson right jordan sorry Oh, Michael Jordan. Jordan. (laughs) Okay, good thing I asked, because I was thinking Michael Jackson. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, Michael Jackson. That makes sense. Yeah, Um, sorry. Sorry, Michael Michael Jordan. Okay, MJ. Yeah, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Um, So when Michael Jordan was playing basketball, like, Hmm. after his first – he won six championships, and after the first three, he retired, went to baseball, but his dad got murdered in that period, so he didn't just die. He got murdered. And for him to – rise above the turmoil, mm-hmm. end up winning another three, arguably being the greatest of all time in basketball, the GOAT, um, to even to, and to go all through that. That's The comeback is what really catches my attention. That, like I'm obsessed with resilience because I've experienced my own comeback story. So not to shy away from the story, I got to a stage where I was reached out for, to people because – what happens is when we when we hold on to our thoughts, they magnify, especially the negative ones. And if you hold on to it, like a glass of water may weigh about like two hundred grams. Mm-hmm. And I know how to, I know what these events are like, these endurance events when you hold on to things for a certain time amount of time, yeah. because they they magnify. So to, the two hundred gram glass, if you were to hold on to that straight for twenty four hours, it's going to feel like two ton, mm-hmm. and it still weighs two hundred grams. That's mm-hmm. that's the profound thing. Now, people do that with their thoughts, and including myself, 
wow. back in the day because the mind can only hold so much. It's an attic, like as in, like, ironically, it's at the top where your head is and the attic is at the top of the house, but yeah. you can only put so much in the attic. So if you, if you fill it up with like negative and thoughts that are irrelevant, that are so fixated on the past as, a, as opposed to fixated on the path, then you're not going to go anywhere because when, as soon as you start talking about it and just stopping those emotions from being suppressed, then you're going to release that burden and you've got more room to invest into better thoughts, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for me, I, I was open, I opened up and that was tough. That's never, that's never um, an easy one. And then I started researching why I wasn't happy because it got to a stage where nothing was working for me and I was so desperate. And like metaphorically speaking, I was like this in this lead mine that was 400 meters underground that was about to collapse any minute and I needed to do something quickly. And well, I was going to ask you I, something, Toph. I hope you don't mind if I say this. And I'm going to, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of be, you know, if if you don't mind, I hope okay. I, I I kind of want to just dig really deep. Um, and okay. you can tell me if you know you don't want to answer any questions or anything like that's fine. But I I kind of want to just dig deep into, I because I, I think that this topic, what we're discussing, is so so important. It's so, but it's so many people that go through depressions and I'm one of them. I have depressions and I'll tell you, and I'll even ask it on myself as well, because we're both in that boat in a sense. What the heck? Like, did something terrible happen to you? I mean, like, what are you so upset about? Like, you know, I have those days when... I'm in this depression and I wake up and I feel depressed and I feel like it's the end of the world for me. And like the guilt, the guilt is worse because I'm thinking I'm married to a beautiful wife. I have four beautiful children who are all healthy. I'm healthy. You know, there's money in the bank to pay the bills. You know, I mean, what the heck is wrong with me? There are people dying of cancer. There are people who can't have children. There are people who can't find a soulmate. Who are, who are, there are people who are disabled. The people who are blind, they can't even see the, the world, the beauty of the world. There are people who can't hear their child's voice. Like, what the freak is wrong with you? Why are you so depressed? What right do you even have to be depressed? Who the hell do you think you are that you expect, that you expect, you, would, you want everything to be perfect? There is no perfection. And your life is perfect compared to everybody else's. So what? So I'm asking that question really to myself, but I'm also, I want to ask it to you because you've been through it and you've come out. Yeah, totally. So I, I'm fortunate enough to work with um, psychologists, doctorates of psychology, with mental health experts, with um, anthropologists, human behaviors, anyone that understands brain people quite well. And yeah. I ask them this question. And what happens is when we're going through any sort of adversity, whether it is, whatever and whatever magnitude it's at, we're actually going through an egocentric paradigm thinking we have it worse than everyone else. And what mm -hmm. we don't realize is it doesn't matter whether you're a podcaster like yourself or you're a bit of an endurance athlete like myself or you could be a barista, <laughs> you could be a baker, you could be any role in life, any age in life. We go through stress no matter what. And I think when you realize that, you even said it before, You, there are people with cancer. And for me, it comes back to perspective every time. So I have a lot of friends that are amputees one I run in particular, we did 100K together. That was very moving. Wait, hold on, amputee. Um, you, he ran? He, yeah, he, 
Wow. He's missing both of his arms. Um, he lost both of his arms like a few years back from a high voltage incident, and he's just been such a good friend. Mm. When you look at people like Gary, he he's always smiling and he's never complaining, and that's so profound because I'm like, I can learn so much from that. And it comes back to, oh, well, my day isn't really that bad. So that changes. That's an instant paradigm shift. And it comes back to as well, like, it, it's quite reassuring when you hear that every great story in, in history has gone through some trajectory of pain. Like, look at Mandela. He went through, like, 27 years of prison. And then he, he died as one of the greatest icons to ever live. Yeah. So every, every, for me, that was probably... And not only that, it shapes your career and it, it, shapes, it shapes your character, if anything. And when, when you realize that we're all in this together, then it's hopeful. So for me, that's, that was the caveat when I realized that, oh, wow, you do need adversity because for resilience, to really grow resilient, you need grit. And grit mm. can be done in multiple ways, whether it is through endurance events or whether it is through um, handling your adversity. So th- hopefully that answers your question with that one. Well, I kind of want to keep the discussion going because I tell you, there's a thought in my head that's saying, you know, there's someone listening to this right now who's thinking, you know what, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the fact that, you know, you have to look at someone else and say, oh, look, they're worse than me. Like, why do you have to go and do that? You know, why can't you, you accept the fact that sometimes you have downs? What's wrong with it? Maybe you just need to accept the fact that, do you know what? Today's Monday. I feel like crap. I don't want to get out of bed. And you know what? I want to binge watch YouTube videos. That's what I want to do for the next two hours. Like, is it so bad to just let yourself be a little bit depressed? You know, maybe it's a healthy thing to let yourself have the depression, let yourself feel the feel it, and then you come out of it. Is there something yeah, wrong I with think, that? No I, no, I don't think there is. Because sometimes what happens is, I think, and especially for guys, we hold back our emotions. Um, it seems like a lot of the world is, it is what it is because of a lot of angry men and because we have so much testosterone, meaning there's <laughs> a reason why we want to live longer than guys because um, of all the <laughs> testosterone we have. Really? And it is, it's a little bit harder for us guys to open up because we might get, it's like this mask we've, we're holding on to and we make it as if like it's a shield of macho that we need to show and it, you've got to be, you're a real man if you, if you don't cry or anything like that, when mm. in fact, it's like what I was talking about with the, the glass analogy. Like if you need to cry, man, just cry. If you feel like you need to just, just veg out for a bit, just veg out. Just mm-hmm. that way you can just get it out of your system yeah. like as quick as possible. So you can get back onto the path. And like for me, like I, I noticed so much more like, I am emotionally driven, like not like I throw tantrums and that, like I'm very hard driven, <laughs> not as um, like this practicality is not my, like, I guess I'm quite irrational points, but like I'm very hard driven. Like I'll always be in the trenches. Like I'll make something happen no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, so like something like this being up at midnight doing this, I was like, no, I'll make it happen. Um, <laughs> but I just yeah. got to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, this, this is, this is child's play for you. I mean, you know, running all up Mount Everest, I could barely climb and crawl the damn thing and you 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 ran it um well mm. i, I want to fast forward a second actually i want to pick up to the fact that you've taken on all of these things um yes 
how, I mean, how did you get into it? Why this? You know, like some people, they feel a bit down, so they go to the gym and they, you know, and they, or they might run a marathon and that's like, wow, big deal. We, we ran a marathon. It is a big deal. I haven't run a marathon. That's huge, huge respect. But why have you done all this craziness? I mean, this is really, this is nuts. I mean, the, the list I rattled off in the intro, I'm like, uh, how do you do that? Some people don't do that in, in one of those things in their lifetime. What? Like, what's with that? Yeah, sure. So, um, going back to my story before, yeah. I was, it was kind of leading into it, actually. So, I started researching why I wasn't happy. And the fact that I got to the stage where I was able to articulate what was going on mm-hmm. and to research was kind of astounding, in my opinion, because I couldn't really think what was going on. It was Everything was so cluttered. So, I realized I did a lot of research, a lot of reading on books, and I found out that my health was so degraded, both mentally and physically, um, because, and from there I made it my number one priority, literally. So every, like everything else can wait for now. I just want to get my health back on track because subsequently when I look back at it now, everything has fell into place because of that was the main, the main catalyst. Like my relationships have grown, whether it is, um, through friends, through girls, through networking, through, um, through business, like that's created such a strong concrete relationship. And not only that, like my work and my my work life has like vision and purpose. And then my overall happiness and gratitude is like has immensely grown. I literally feel like I'm living a second life mm. all because I started looking after my health. And there was so much cool science behind it. Like when you start sweating, like the endorphins and that, you start, especially when you put yourself through a pretty big workout, all you want to do is eat and sleep. Um, <laughs> so it helps you sleep. Not only that, when you start taking on fitness, whether it is for me, I'm in the endurance community, um, and I do a, f- a few other sports too. But when you get put into a movement, you, you're around like-minded others too. So you, as humans, we're neurobiologically wired for um, for story and connection. So when you're around people that are the same, especially that may be on the same journey as you, it's quite reassuring and it's a lovely thing to be around. Plus, you blossom friendships, and then you meet other people and you, you're getting it naturally gets your self-confidence back and it naturally makes you less depressed so for me i'm i'm in the community full of runners and ultra runners and endurance athletes and when you start talking to these people how come why do you guys do all this stuff and yeah it, it, it's funny because half of us are in it for the challenge i'm always in it for the challenge too but half of us are also ironically running from our demons <laughs> and we're yeah. running but the thing right. is we use our adversity to finish up these races. So I always play this thing in my head, especially in the moments, the oh crap moments when we're in these races where I I, I reflect back on the past. Now I don't delve too deep on the mistakes I made that will destroy me. I always go, Hey, is the depression I went through going to be tougher than this hundred miler? (laughs) Yeah, of course it was much tougher. So that's like the perspective tool keeps me grounded. I'm like, I will finish this with flying colors now because that was a much more enduring process. Like to go through suicidal tendencies for eight months, as opposed to one day of running, is nothing. So, um, so for me, I, I took up. I decided to look after my health, and for me, health equaled sport. So I, th- I thought I'll go for a jog while I think of a sport I enjoy. And mm. it was funny because I hated running at school. <laughs> really? And uh, wow! But I got to a stage where I was so desperate that I thought, just take up running, man. I just thought, why? Just never say never. And then that's where the penny dropped. Why don't I just take up running 
And then it's important to have a goal, in my opinion, because it really makes you accountable. Like accountability is important because it makes you, it protects yourself from yourself. Hmm. So I thought, you know what, sign up for a marathon, then I won't have that loss aversion because I have to do it. I've literally paid for it. And then I just work backwards. So I did the marathon and then from there I can't. Can we talk about the marathon for a second? I want to just jump into that. So... What was the first marathon you did? And, and and I want to talk about really pushing through because I feel like a lot of people listening to this, you know, we all, whether we run a marathon yep. or whether it's, you know, building a business or whatever it is that we're working on, we always come across some sort of block. And it's usually a mental one. It's It's rarely really a physical block or financial it's usually mental right where we just say oh i don't know like i was just talking to my friend yesterday and he was telling me how he was literally staring at his phone for an hour straight because he didn't want to make a sales call and i said to him just make the freaking sales call and he's like no because i'm gonna call and then they're gonna say no and it's just not and i'm like so you'll make another sales call and like, yeah but then and he's like talking himself out of it and he's talking himself out of it and it's there's this all these fears and so i kind of want to reverse engineer your process because if if we could learn how to get past those mental traps in a sense those mental blocks then that would be incredible so you're on your marathon and i'm sure you have this all the time right where you get to the point where you're like I can't do this. There's, there's another, you know, there's another 10 kilometers. I can't, it's just like, there's no yeah. way. Right. What, what do you do? In that, that first one, that was 2015 in July. So there's the Gold Coast Marathon. That's the city I live in on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And that 34K, that's when that mental wall came in. Yes. And it was like having depression all over again. Oh, and I was still quite <laughs> depressed. So, oh my goodness! And all I thought was just one, just get to the next lamppost, get to the next lamppost, and I managed to do it. And I finished. I crossed that finish line, and it was such a beautiful feeling. Like I thought, oh my god, I did this. Mm. And in my opinion, life is very similar to a marathon. Like you go through adversity, which are the mental blocks with in a race or whatever. And when you rise above it, the comeback or that feeling of the second wind or when you can, when you actually conquered that, um, conquered that mental block, it mm-hmm. is the most gratifying feeling ever because you come to a stage like, oh my God, I can't believe I actually did that. Whether yeah. it is like the marathon and marathoners, in my opinion, this is something I'll tell you that's been quite profound. That's taught me when you, when you're in a marathon or any sort of endurance event and when you go through that mental block, you're in tunnel vision and you people you look when people look at you they're like oh this guy looks angry or he looks quite upset or miserable and you just want to get out of it it literally feels like someone's pushing your forehead back um yeah that's when you when you're out of it and you're all good it's like that second wind you're happy again when you see that happen to other people you naturally want to help them because you know what it's like and you know how to you, you know you've got now so you want to help them so that's naturally empathy so mm. when you come across any when you see someone struggling outside of the marathon or whatever, you want to help them because, especially for myself, when you come out of, that's why I'm so dedicated to be this practical resilience thought leader because I've figured out the formula to to grow your practical resilience. So, like, especially, like, I've managed to use running as an escapism, which was 
not not like a Forrest Gump in a way, but the fact that Ron I've Forrest. managed to overcome, yeah, the fact that I managed to overcome all heavy adversity through endurance and gratitude is quite profound in a way. Mm. So that's how I actually did it. I am um, pushing the limits for other people for a cause greater than myself. And there's so much cool, there is so, like so much behind all this stuff. Like, for example, I, when I did the treadmill challenge, you brought that up before and I highly <laughs> recommend don't do any, don't do one of those. Don't do it. Well, how <laughs> um, bad was it? I mean, 24 hours on a treadmill, well, I would, I would pay someone to, to like, no, you couldn't pay me a lot of money for that. No way. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two really cool things about that one. Um, the first one, this is my aha moment. And this mm. was what really made the gratitude concrete for me in life. Yeah. And how I, this is my moment where my lob, my light bulb moment when I realized how effective and important gratitude is. So eight hours into the, a third of the way through, I just want to get off and light the thing on fire, but I can't be done for us. You can I so just I put? Can I just paint the picture? So you're actually on this damn thing for 24 hours straight. You don't get off it. Only to use the toilet. Oh my! And I'll, God. I'll, I'll lead into I'll lead into a funny story about the, that one when I had to get off to use the toilet. Oh about 15, 16 hours in. So eight eight hours in. I um. I just want to get off, and then. <clears throat> The thing is, we got a lot of traction behind that event. So my mate and I, we do all this endurance stuff together. Mm. And we within like an hour, we had everyone from like two of the big TV networks come see us. We had, at wow. one stage, I had BBC World Radio London call me from England. <laughs> that was awesome. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. I thought, how did you get my number? But this is crazy. <laughs> um, we had... It was awesome. We had all this media behind it, so people would – that obviously brought some hype. Then out of nowhere, when I wanted to get off and just keep – and I was just soldiering on, people with cancer would come up to us because we did last year. Everything was for cancer research. We, My mate and I, we both lost family to cancer, so we wanted nice. to de- dedicate the entire year. So we had people with cancer coming up to us, and they're so appreciative. Like these two boys are just going out of their way to raise money for cancer, and they didn't ask for any of it. And for me, that was just like, thank you guys. You guys mean the absolute world to us. And the fact, like, they saw us as hope. That was my aha moment. Like, I, I had this realization. I went, I was thinking, I went through so much turmoil in the last, like, years ago. And to get to the point where I'm at this point where I can run for these people that are going through a more rigorous war is incredibly gratifying that I feel like I'm actually making an impact in this world. Mm-hmm. So that's what actually got me. That was my reason why. Because when you're going through any, when you take on a task, when you take on a new venture, the bigger the bigger the task or the venture, the bigger the struggles, but the bigger the reward. When you're going through those struggles, you just go back to your reason why, whether it is legacy, the reason why you took it up. So that's a cool, like a little accountability, mm-hmm. accountability too. So that's what kind of got me through. And then you're saying, when did you ever get off? I remember like 16 hours in, um, I need to use the toilet because I need to take a number two. So I need to take oh. a poo. Every muscle contracted. So I'm stuck on the toilet for like 15 minutes and everyone's oh. like, dude, are you right? I was like, I can't um, get up. I literally, everything's <laughs> so, locked up. 
<laughs> so everybody's watching you and you're like sitting in the toilet it's like you know when you know when you go to use the bathroom in someone's house and you're worried that they're wondering how long you're going to be like it's embarrassing you're like oh god yeah. they're gonna think right so here you're actually like you know, there's news networks and people watching you and you're like oh he's been in the bathroom for quite a like someone in china he's been at the bathroom for a long time you know it's like <laughs> yeah hilarious so luckily luckily there was no networks there at that point but oh, okay. a lot of our team was at school and they're like, are you right? I'm like, I literally can't get off. So I got off oh. and my feet had gone through some awesome blisters. And oh. then it was, you know what? One of the events we've done this year, we were locked in an altitude chamber for 48 hours. That was, what? that was a pretty cool one. But an how altitude that event came chamber? About, What's that? Um, so it's a, it's a glassed out room that simulates high altitude. So you can train at high altitude because when you live a lot of places in the world are naturally at sea level. Whereas, suppose if you're in a lot of places in Africa or like Nepal, you're going to actually be at high altitude. So, you can train at high altitude. There's less oxygen. So, you train to be, to de- you train at depleted air. Mm-hmm. So, when you actually had a race at sea level, you actually, it's like you got a reserve tank because you used to less oh, oxygen. Wow. Interesting. Now, when we, before we did that, how that event came about, it's because of the treadmill challenge. It, like I love my psychology. I love I love human dynamics and human behavior. And I noticed myself when friends would come and visit us, dopamine would go through the roof. So the happy hormone, I guess you want to call it. Yeah. And you're able to you start getting a little bit quicker because like not to impress them, but you're excited. They're like, oh my god, this is awesome. And then what happens is after a while, quarter like you're so stressed out, the cortisol's through the roof, and then mm-hmm. dopamine's like <laughs> inversely proportional. Yeah. And then that's how like self doubt kicks in. That's when injury comes about and then out of nowhere like your friends will come see you at three in the morning four in the morning and you've been on the treadmill for about 21 22 hours oh, that oxytocin like it's like the love hormone because you you get off to change your socks because your feet are so covered in blisters and they'll give oh. you a big hug and it's like a love hormone and then like that keeps you going and then oh, wow. i remember my friend at 20 hours in we had like a four minute nap and we're just we're, we look so wrecked and then four 21 minute hours nap. in we're, Yeah, so it's like a nut. If you can get that four minutes in, you can trick the brain that you've had op- optimal sleep. Oh, my goodness. That would and be torture for so, me, a four-minute nap. Go forget it. Keep it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> four so minutes. I, I do that a lot Like in like really? the, the real big races where it's like 24 hours or more. Like I usually like to get like quick sleep in just so I can – it's like a really, I guess, real condensed power nap just enough to close the rest of the eyes for oh, wow. a really short period um and for me like 21 hours in when our mates came and saw us like three in the morning we're sprinting against each other so it's like this is crazy wow. how are we going yeah so i thought this would be the coolest psychology experiment if they could study us the minds of ultra runners and i made that happen for this year so prior to going so last year we did 40 events for cancer research which is insane how the fact that we made that happen because we only had 13 events planned all we wanted to do was run a bit to get us fit and i wanted to get mentally fit um and dedicate it all to a cause greater than ourselves because we thought okay if we do 13 events planned Mm. then you know what we will probably get some exposure and we don't need the money and there's other people that need the awareness more than us what if we we just become that conduit Mm-hmm. and raise raise the funds and give it to a cause greater than ourselves. So that's how that started. But the more, like I said, you get when you get immersed in a community, you start meeting more and more people, 
and then you get introduced to people and then people will start having conversations with you and they say, you start telling them about like we're doing 13 events and they said, oh, you boys should do this event and there's, an, there's another one coming up. So we said, we literally said yes to everything. Hmm. And you know what, that's, that's literally re- rewired my thinking and changed my neural pathways. So fear is my best friend because when you jump into something like that, it's when you come across a tough d- decision, it's fear versus trust. That's what it is. You can't have both. It's fear versus trust. And the thing is too many people live with fear and autonomy. And it's like your friend that you said before, he just didn't want to do it because he's, he's thinking about the repercussions too much. Hmm. And when you come across a decision like that, a good way to simulate and to push, make you go through with it is what's the worst that can happen? Literally, that six-worded sentence is so profound and you put, it teaches you about perspective. You're like, well, I don't have to go to war today or I don't have to get surgery today. It's only have to just stick it out quickly. Right. And when you do something like that, if you do something fearful, which I do every day, if you do it first thing in the morning, it makes your day easier throughout the day because you literally could have done the toughest thing you, that, that you've done that day. So for me, like even having a cold shower, Dan, like if oh. you have a shower, like literally don't, don't, don't go cold straight away. But I the hate point, those. The, the, best, <laughs> the best way to build a habit or to do, to take on anything new is to start really small. So you have the taste of a victory. So for me, I started doing 10K run then I did a marathon, then I did a hundred miler. Now my, I'm doing a 214 miler in Scotland, and oh, my mate and I are the only two, only two to represent Australia. And out of 200 people, we're going to be the third and fourth youngest. So that's quite an honour. Wow. We never thought we'd ever get to that stage just yet, but we started small. And we built, we've built a crescendo, I guess, <laughs> or the domino. That when it comes to doing fearful things, you just apply the same method. So if I want to have a cold shower, I'll just have a hot shower as per usual because you've got to. You gotta have hot water yeah. to wash everything off, and then afterwards, I might just blast it on cold for about maybe five seconds, mm-hmm. and then the next day, do ten seconds, and then the next day until you get to the point where, after the sixty-six days of rewiring neural pathways of doing a habit every day, it doesn't feel like work as much, mm-hmm. so it's able to do it, and then it becomes habit and instinctual, and. And that's why, like, when we drive to work, sometimes we get to work and we're like, I don't even remember driving because we're living in autonomy. So the thing is, we're not living in present focus. We're not present focus living anymore. And as if you can just picture, like, a like a field of high grass, the moment, like, if we're going to use the driving to work example, it's like grabbing the lawnmower and then mowing a row of grass, like, yeah, row of grass to the point where you can see the path quite well. Like, you can actually drive to work with your eyes closed if you could because um, you can get to a point where you're like, I don't even remember passing like three red lights. Yeah. You've done it so much. We're living For me, I've done so much. I've rewired my brain over the last three, four years, or three years to do scary things that fear's my best friend. So when you boy, they're like, you boys should do this event. We're like, yeah, right. It's, it's not a big deal anymore because we're telling this narrative in our head that we've done tougher things. So, yeah. I got two questions. Number one is, and I'm sure people listening to this are wondering, how do you make money? Like, how do you actually pay the bills if you're yeah. running around all day? <laughs> running around, I'm saying. If you're doing all these runs <laughs> and, and yeah, running around, if you're doing all these marathons and, and endurance uh, yeah. events and you're giving it all to charity, so how are you paying your bills? Like, you know, how are you supporting yourselves? Yeah, it's a good question. So I have. It's a two-part model. So all the stuff I do with my friend, all this endurance stuff is entirely 100% goes to the cause. 
where we where we're like we're not a registered brand but we're just a conduit we were looking at turning ourselves into a charity but it's a lot of work for now it's something we we might may possibly do in five ten years time mm-hmm. but people use us because what we do is is like novelty and that attracts people because yeah. they're like oh we'll just use especially with the stuff we're doing this year yeah um so and it's fun because the crazy stuff keeps me sane i need that because that's what got me out of depression anxiety because it taught me about grit it taught me about gratitude that taught me about mindset it taught me about everything adversity how it's yeah. a good thing and it's my greatest tool so that is that's an nfp kind of model non-for-profit model and i don't touch any of that money now yeah. the for-profit i have a i have a company too that where i do a lot of public speaking i'm about to launch a book so it'll be launched in i think 8th of march is going to be the launch date mm. um so I've got that, and I'll be launching something else in towards third quarter of next year too. So I do have the revenue streams, but it's it's, it's kept separate. But the, the funny thing is that the, the endurance stuff I do comes around full circle because the lessons I learned from that helps me with the public speaking. Got it. Because it's, and, and the book I'm writing, because the, the point of the book, um, it's a funny name, and it's called Everyone Has a Plan Until Shit Hits the Fan. Um, it's it's true like everyone has a plan when things go right no one has a plan when things go wrong so the thing is to build the resilience in you so when you come across crisis in life you've got yourself together you've got Mm -hmm. that mental artillery holding you back and i'm using my own memoirs and and not only that because i'm working with mental health experts they're able to validate my convictions so it's been big work in progress this book but like i'm happy to say how awesome it's it's turned out and and it's also going to be a pay what you think concept. So you, mm-hmm. I don't want to restrict the reader. Not only that, and then ten percent of all book sales will be going to a mental health program. That means mm-hmm. a lot to me because I am, an, as an advocate on mental health, it, it's something that means a lot to me and how prevalent it is and the stigma behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, hey, yeah. Here's a question I have for you, Toph. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the sort of very big. Uh, grandiose events like you know running up you know Mount Everest and stuff like that and I kind of want to just bring it down to a more daily practical thing for most of us listening and let's just talk about you know I struggle with waking up in the morning for example that's a struggle I've always had all my life I just it just it's just never easy Um, and it's frustrating because I, I want to be an early bird. Like I want to be able to wake up early. I, I, the times that I'm able that I do it, it feels amazing. I love, you know, just the crisp air and the quietness and the birds singing. It's like such a brilliant, and you feel so good about yourself when you wake up early. When I, when I wake up late, I feel like crap, but I always tell myself, okay, Daniel, tomorrow you're going to get up early. You're going to do it. And then, you know, I wake up and it's like, oh crap, what time is it? Oh my goodness me, you know, I overslept. And even if I have an alarm, I'll just like chuck the, like I'll just switch. <laughs> no, tomorrow, you know, no, tomorrow. How, how, do you, how do you get past that? You know, how can I start uh-huh. really getting up on time every day consistently? Yeah, sure. Um, I used to be the exact same actually. Um, I'll give you a bit of a paradigm shift at one of them and I'll, I'll give you two, I'll, I'll I'll give it, it's a two-part answer, first one. So the first one is when you realize that you can't go back in time, even Stephen Hawking tried proving this, 
Um, and he thought there may have been a Benjamin Button kind of theory where we, we it's like symmetrical where we reach a certain point in our lives and then we we go back an age. Mm. Um, that he tried proving that and it didn't work out. And so time will only go forward. So I mean, you can't go back. So when you realize that today is the youngest day you'll ever be, it kind of puts your ass into gear because we don't know when we're going to die. That's an invariable constant that, okay, I've only got a limited amount of time. So you kind of got to seize the days when you can. So that was one paradigm shift I discovered. The other one too is it always comes back down to purpose. For me, like I know what my purpose is in life because I've done, to me, purpose is or the end goal is when you die because you can't go any further. Whether we have an afterlife or not, that's a different story. But I always envision myself at my funeral with millions of people. Like literally, this is like a hypothetical activity in my head. And people are there to see me. They've flown around the world. And the person who gets to speak my eulogy said, will say, Topher's known for great things. Then I literally physically, like there's no law of physics that I can't. What the eulogy will say, obviously their version is going to be a little bit different. But <laughs> I write what, I, what my legacy to say. And then I just work backwards. So I just reverse engineer it. And then for me, I was like, if I want to get to that point in life, like if I want to be known for greatness as opposed to mediocrity, then I have to, I have to do as much as I, like not do as much as I can, but like I have to, I'm on a mission. So for me to be on a mission, I have to get up early. <laughs> so that's what I actually did it for me, to be honest. Hopefully right. that's um, quite practical for others. Yeah. Because you have, to have I, an, I was enough a of where, a reason. I hear that. And what happens is when you, you tap dance out of bed, so it's a term that Warren Buffett uses, you don't literally tap dance out of bed, but you wake <laughs> up with purpose. Like for me, I don't know what day it is half the time. I'm going, yeah. like, which is a good thing in my opinion. The Fridays feel like Mondays. The, the Tuesdays feel like Thursdays. Wow. Um, and I can just just do my thing because I feel like every day is my day. I don't, have a, I don't think I have a bad day anymore because I think you can have bad moments, but I don't want to feel like I waste that day because mm. – Time is the most valuable commodity you can have. Like money's the thing. Like everyone, think, a lot of people think it's money. No, but you can regain money. I can't be twenty-two ever again. I can't be yeah. twenty-one ever again. So when you realize that, okay, I got to seize the moment, and you you wake up with a bit of purpose, and and it becomes a little. It's it's like anything new for the first time. It's a bit rusty, but after a while, it becomes it re, it's rewired in your neural pathway, so that. It becomes easier. So I actually, I try and do all my training in the morning. I'm usually up at 4.30, yeah. um, do my training. And something about a sunrise is so awesome. It like recalibrates your mind and it's so beautiful to see all the colors and that, that mm. it's like, okay, my day's already in a, in a good start. This is great. And yeah. you got the positive affirmations. And when I get my training done, it's like, okay, I don't have to worry about it. Sometimes I train twice a day, but when I just get it, when I do 4.30, when I get up at 4.30, like when I get to ten thirty, it's like wow, it's already been a six-hour day, and I've got so much done, mm -hmm. um, and it feels quite productive. So it's that's something I've learned to integrate in my life. Do you think the positive affirmations work? Do they do they work? Yeah, totally. Because I think it is. It comes like it comes down to you are what you consume, in my opinion. So you are what the people you hang around with. You are the people that. Uh, sorry, you are what the media you consume. Yeah. You are what the because person, you, I can tell yeah. that's it. I can tell there's a vast difference between someone that watches the news and consumes all the info from that, as opposed yeah. to someone that has mentors and reads books. And yeah. there's a difference because 
I'll tell you what, it's it's fixed mindset as opposed to growth mindset. Mm. And someone who's thinking of scarcity as opposed to someone that's thinking in abundance. And, and abundance is positive. So no great even Carl Dweck. everyone that's Yeah, pretty much. And mm. you have to think positive in my opinion. Like for me, negative th- using negativity is actually quite underrated. Like I use the only other time I use negativity is to reflect on the adversity I had and realize that that was much tougher than the stuff I have to do. Yeah. And I actually I use always use this this thinking like my next race is my this event is just a training run for the next one and the next one and the next one and all those mental walls I come across I get to know them better and better because I just hunt like I, I Dan I've spent too long in my life but luckily I, I did I realized this too early I realized this quite early that I spent my entire life trying to silence those thoughts in my head you cannot do that you're going to spend your entire life doing that however you can harness those thoughts to do great things, whether it is endurance stuff or whether it is locking off a business deal or whether it is even asking a girl out on a date, whether it is anything that is quite fearful where it's got your amygdala freaking out as opposed <laughs> like, cause you, you, we, we think like there's a lion or tiger after us. That's what happens. Like, cause it comes back to our survival brain from thousands of years ago. If you were to get ostracized from the group, from the tribe, then there's a good chance that you might get eaten from a lion or tiger. And today, when your friends or family were to betray you, whether it was their fault or not, then it feels like there's a lion or tiger after us. So, as humans, since like since the first of man and woman to where we are now, we have evolved so much. You can't even quantify on how much progress we've made. Literally, like my phone is more advanced than the spaceships like a man on the moon back in '69. Yeah. However, our thinking hasn't really progressed. It's only changed by a slight fraction. So if you look at, for example, we've gone from one extreme, one extreme of malnutrition to obesity. So back in the days yeah. of hunter-gatherers, the team leader would be like, all right, guys, seize the moment, eat as much as you can because there's a good chance we might not be eating for a while. And then nowadays we're like, okay, I've got to eat, I've got to eat. But we have so much access to food whenever we can that we've kept the same thinking. So this is when you have to not make the be the bitch of your own brain this is when fear comes into play and because it it is fear versus trust what i was talking about before so Mm -hmm. for me i like to do something scary every day but as well too i practice so much gratitude doing stuff for other people that it's changed my definition of reality you come to a point where you realize that you have it pretty well and it teaches you about empathy and perspective and that. Yeah, it's been such a great teacher, gratitude. And when I practice it so much that I literally, like, saved my life from it. So, I, like, that's why I say, like, you don't know whose life you save. It might even be your own. And that's what happened with me. Mm-hmm. So, it, it comes around full circle. Love it. I love it. What's, what's been your, of, of all the accomplishments that you've, that you've achieved, what, what would you say is the most meaningful to you? Oh, that's a good question. For me... I reckon, you know, it's coming back to probably overcoming. It's not even any of the events that we've done. It's not even any of this, the accolades of one. It's not any of that. It's man, the fact that I've been managed to overcome all depression and anxiety to get to a point where I'm so grateful for it all and wow. to teach it to others. That's, that's it for me because Amazing. you cannot put a price on that. You cannot package that. You cannot do any of that. And because mental health means so much to me, and I've got a lot of friends that struggle with it too. So, like, the fact that like, I'm in the inner circle that they come to me about it, that 
that means so much to me because I never ever thought I'd fall into this. I and also, you don't I you don't so take cheap. any you don't take any drugs, right, to to manage it. No, I used to. Do you, think thing, that, like, do you think that anybody who has depression or suffers from depression or anxiety can be drug-free, can be cured drug-free? I think they, I reckon they could be. Like, it, it wow. depends because, like, some people may have, like, a really bad in hormonal balance. They're the people that need it. But for the people right. that, where they go, they get to the point, like, nine times out of ten, where they go... I might need to stop to see the doctor to get meds. It's just because they don't know what. It's just the way it's been marketed really well. Got it. It's this trillion dollar industry that invests so much. It's mm. insane how much they invest and how much time and money they invest into it when it shouldn't be that high. That originally those drugs were made to be stabilizers, mm-hmm. but nowadays they're kind of getting abused. And to me, like practical resilience is the most strongest and safest way because. Something about chemicals when you're dealing with people's heads that, and their brains and their, their emotional and cognitive engines that it, it may trigger certain implicit memories and it, it, symptoms might make things worse. And that's what happened with me. Like I only speak on behalf of my own. So I'm not the guy to say I don't tell anyone to get off their meds if they're already on them. Like, I, like the stuff I'm doing that I teach is in support of that. And it might get to a stage where they realize that Okay, I don't actually. I might actually not need the meds. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be that liability where mm-hmm. I, I'm saying get off the meds, get off the meds. No, 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 the stuff I'm doing it can be in support of meds and medication because that's gonna. If someone is trying to do good things. I don't want to be hated on for that kind of field. Okay. So it's, it's, it's. I reckon, but in my opinion, this stuff could always override that stuff. It's just people's got to. People have to make the commitment and got to understand the concepts really but i I try and i try and dumb it down so it is quite easy to understand got it tough wow this has been incredible i mean it's such a it's like i said it's such a huge topic it's so important i think that what you're doing is absolutely incredible it's it's so inspiring um and i hope my the listeners have enjoyed it as much as i have um if they want to get in touch with you how do they do that um so i'm I'm all over social media. I've my my website tof-evans.com, so t o f e scom and then on Facebook and Instagram and Medium and LinkedIn and YouTube. So it's just tof.evans. So that's where you can find me. Perfect. And um, yeah, and all the links will actually be. Uh, all the show notes will be at danielgeffen.com forward slash 112. That's danielgeffen.com forward slash 112 if, uh, if you want to go there uh, to check those out. And of course, please, please subscribe to get any future uh, shows as well. And you'll be helping me rank on iTunes. So I would appreciate that. Toph, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.